Nestled in the Piedmont region of North Carolina is the small town of Gibsonville, overshadowed a little by its college neighbor, Elon, North Carolina. Gibsonville has a total population of 7,257. Both of these things make it a perfect client for Motley. This is Small Town, North Carolina. I'm your host, Marielle Condis, and this is episode one. Motley is a community development and creative placemaking firm based in Greensboro, North Carolina, that exists to assist communities all over the U.S. in creating places where people desire to be. They're really focused on small town North Carolina. Motley has a mission that's centered around people, places, purpose, and process. They think that life is best lived together, and their goal is to assist in creating a thriving economy with new businesses that will employ and serve all members of the community. But what is community development? If you're not familiar with this type of work, that phrase probably doesn't make much sense to you. I asked a few of my friends what they thought community development was and to describe it in their own words. Here are some of their responses. In your words, what is community development? Community development is helping build up communities to become better places and more economically thriving. I think community development is in the name itself. It's developing a community, and that can be emotionally, physically, spiritually, lots of different ways. Community development is um, joining with the community to figure out what their ideal would be and then working with them to make that happen um, and how the community is shaped and what it looks like and what it does. How do you think social media could play a role in building up the economy of a town or a city? Um, I think that it gets the word out about towns and cities and gets the word out about certain um, businesses that will attract people there so obviously with more people coming in and spending money in the community it will help the economy how would you describe placemaking um (laughs) silence making a place unique (laughs) finally i decided to ask blaine to really describe what community development is Blaine Williamson is one of the co-founders of Motley, and you'll hear her in a later episode talking about um, why she started Motley um, and some of her roles and passions there. But um, this next clip is her just saying what the real definition of community development is. Okay, so I've been asking a bunch of people to describe community development and placemaking. Um, It's been really interesting to hear those responses. So coming from someone that actually knows, can you kind of just define those two things? Sure. Um, ooh. Community development, I think, is anything that fosters community engagement. I think placemaking and community development are really hard to separate as terms. I think they both really describe a sense of pride of place or place attachment. And how do you get residents, tourists, any person visiting or living in your place to feel any sort of connection and how do you make them 
stick around. I think that successful community development and successful placemaking makes people kind of slow down in their daily lives. I think that it makes people appreciate places as not somewhere they're driving through or somewhere they're stopping in, but as like makes every place, no matter how seemingly insignificant a destination and something that they can feel good about. So how do you, community development I would say is the process of making people, evoking emotion in people surrounding their community. Great. Yeah, definitely um, more of a comprehensive answer than some of the other ones that I've gotten. So that's great. Blaine's answer really described the emotion and importance behind the work of community development, which is exactly why Motley does what they do. They aim to do environmentally sustainable work within the communities they're in. They fight for diversity and social advancement for underrepresented demographics. They partner with minority business owners women, people of color, those in the LGBTQIA community. Their vision is to create places where people desire to be, and that's exactly what they're doing. Motley is a for-profit agency that serves the community. It has a client-based money structure and typically receives its funding from city and municipal budgets, which are comprised of tax dollars. Occasionally, Motley helps municipalities in writing grants that have funded become Motley's source of funding for that specific project. Often, the populations that Motley is working with, the towns and municipalities, don't have the funding to bring on the type of work that Motley does. This is why they help write grants so that Motley can do their work and get paid for it. I'm so glad you joined me here on Small Town NC to hear about Motley and the work that they're doing in small towns in North Carolina. Join us on the next episode to hear an interview with Blaine Williamson and Chelsea Dickey, the founders and creators of Motley. Thank you for joining me on episode two of Small Town NC. This is your host, Marielle Condis. Today, I'll be interviewing Blaine Williamson and Chelsea Dickey, the co-founders of Motley. My name is Blaine Williamson, and I'm the co-founder and director of placemaking for Motley. Um, so Blaine, can you just describe to me Motley and kind of the journey um, of how you started Motley um, and some difficulties there? Sure. So we are a community development and place-based marketing firm in Greensboro. Um, we work with small municipalities with populations under 15,000 to help them in downtown revitalization efforts and just to help them create places where people desire to be. So Chelsea and I both worked together doing similar efforts in Graham and our funding ran out. We were a nonprofit funded by a private company and they did not renew their um, payment of our salaries essentially. And we were told that we were going to be picked up by 
the city of Graham as an economic development agent, uh, contractor, and city council voted that down 3-4. So we started the company um, because we still wanted to continue doing the work we were doing um, and felt like we had the skill set to continue and go out on our own. Uh, so general challenges would just be um, startup situations. I would say starting a business um, despite the work that we're doing. The work I'm doing is can have its own challenges, but also doing the work yourself is like a different set of challenges. Um, I think Chelsea and I both being young women in the industry is rare. It is very dominated by older men, um, which is exciting for a lot of clients because they want new ideas um, and a little jarring for others. Your kind of story as to how you um, started Molly is unique in that you were still in college um, when you started the business. So what were some challenges? What did that look like as a college student um, starting a business? Uh, I think general challenges were just time. Um, I was still in school full-time my senior year and then starting the business, which was a full-time job and uh, just giving being a student and being a business owner at the time and attention it deserved was pretty difficult. I also think that just led me to having a little less confidence in professional settings because I did not have my degree yet. Um, a lot of people would ask me where I went to school and I would say, oh, Elon, and then hope they didn't ask when I graduated because I would have to say, oh, I haven't yet. Um, and so, yeah, that was a, a big challenge. So Motley is um, completely started, operated, employed by just you and Chelsea, two people. Um, so can you describe a little bit of just the structure of the agency and kind of the different roles that the two of you have within that? Maybe how that's shifted a little bit over time. Sure. So Chelsea's title is Director of Economic Development. I'm the Director of Placemaking. And basically the way that has broken down is at the beginning both of us were really just trying to get clients so we were sending a lot of emails taking a lot of meetings just trying to get in front of anybody possible and we did a lot of those things together um basically there came a time in the company where we had work to do we were growing and we kind of realized that it wasn't in our best interest to both be in both places um that those meetings and things shouldn't take both of our capacity and that we both had a good enough understanding of the company and our vision to speak on it without each other. Um, so the way we kind of operate now is Chelsea does a lot of our frontward facing stuff. She takes a lot of meetings. She meets with a lot of clients. She pitches us as a company a lot more often than I do. Um, and she also has a degree in economic development and does a lot more of the economic development work than I do. Um, so she meets with a lot of business owners that are looking to expand to cities that we work with. Um, she shows a lot of properties to those business owners and she works closely with the city, kind of identifying tax dollars and doing more of the economic financial number side of things. And I do a lot of the behind the scenes work. Um, 
I am on my computer a lot. I run all the social media accounts. I do all of our branding projects. Um, anything that is more creative. I do a lot of our writing, a lot of our grant writing, um, making websites, all of that sort of thing that's less frontward facing is more where I take priority. And then something we really wanted to prioritize in the company as far as owning a company, we're both very involved in the back end of our legal structure and our insurance and our financials as a company. So those are split very evenly and that has been the breakdown. So you mentioned earlier that um, it's more of these small towns that are clients of Motley. Um, so maybe describe that population a little bit more of your main client communities um, and what are some issues that are maybe faced by those populations. A lot of the communities we work with have smaller budgets because they have smaller populations. So less people are paying into the tax pool of dollars to work with and less businesses are playing into the sales tax pool of dollars to work with. So typically the communities we work with don't have a lot of opportunity for cool things to make them destinations. Um, so they're like, it's not, we're never gonna work with Charlotte that has a ton of public art and a thriving business community and restaurants and retail and 98 Instagram accounts to tell you what to do there and 48 breweries opening a month like we're that's just like not our clientele and that's not even necessarily the place that we want to take communities to when we work with them um so we kind of identified this need of towns with approximately three to 15,000 people in population are significant they live there, they work there, um, and they have opportunity to be attached to that place, but don't necessarily have those things keeping them there. Um, something we work with a lot is bedroom communities, which is basically the concept of people live in this place. Alamance County is full of these. Um, they live in this place, they come home to this place, but they commute out and they spend their money elsewhere. So they're going to work in Durham and they're going to work in Greensboro, but they're coming home to their bedroom community and just sleeping there, but they're not invested. Um, so a challenge is money and resources because they aren't these huge municipalities. They just don't have these unlimited budgets to make cool things happen. Um, and also just, a lot of the demographic of these communities is very deeply rooted. A lot of people have generations going back in the same place and are there simply because that's always how it's been. And so how do you reignite their interest in this place where they live? And how do you get them to invest both emotionally and monetarily um, so that that place um, can thrive twofold. Right, right. Absolutely. Definitely a large undertaking. Blaine, I love your story of kind of your past and your relationship to small towns and, um, 
kind of what sparked your passion in this work. So could you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I grew up in a very small town called Gilbert in South Carolina, and it was very rural and very much one of the types of places that Chelsea and I would kind of seek out to contract with. Um, And I just cared a lot about places and spaces and how they affected individuals from like a very young age. I was made aware that I was kind of one of those kids that was like, oh, I can't wait to leave here. Like nothing's keeping me here. No one understands me here. (laughs) And I just think that it's interesting to think about what maybe could have happened for me and my community had someone like Chelsea and I taken an interest in my community to say, Mm -hmm. no, we see potential in this community. Like we see potential in you as a community member and kind of we see you as valuable, we see that you have this skill set and these resources, and like, we don't want to change who you are, but let's take that to the next level and kind of elevate what you already have. Um, I think that it's like incredibly powerful on a very micro level um, to see someone take an interest in a place that you feel is valueless or not serving you. Um, and I think that was pretty integral in starting the business. Hmm. I love that kind of, um, seeing what it looks like for a place to have untapped potential and then wanting to be the person that taps into that potential elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really cool. It was really great sitting down with Blaine and hearing about her journey with Molly, where it began, where it's gone since, what it was like for her starting a business as a college student. This information was really interesting to hear, and it was really cool to see her heart and her passion behind it all. Next, I talked to Chelsea, Molly's other co-founder, about the diversity spotlight within Molly, the way that they focus on social issues and marginalized clients and how that affects their work. Stick with us and hear about that next. Chelsea Dickey. I am a native North Carolinian. I studied economic development in my undergrad and I am co-owner and director of economic development of Motley. Chelsea, can you speak a little bit to the population that Motley works with? Would you describe the population as diverse? Um, Are they typically marginalized? Um, Just describe the population um, and how that affects Motley's work. Sure, so I would break them into two different groups. We've got one group that doesn't use grant assistance to pay for our services. And so you've got a largely affluent, majority white communities um, that pay without grant assistance. And then um, just with the nature of some of the towns that we work with, most of them are majority white. Um, I've had meetings with very diverse communities, but for the most part, all of them have been so marginalized that they have such a lack of capacity, lack of um, resources that their budget and capacity is that they can't even fix their water source. Um, And so they're not looking to work with us on placemaking initiatives. But the majority of our Um, clients, I would say, fall into the um, 
average income, maybe slightly above average income, um, blue collar, about 30%, um, and then a majority white population. So a lot of the communities that Motley works with are kind of like majority white, rural, maybe like middle to lower class. Um, what would you say about that specific population or those specific communities makes them vulnerable? I think they're specifically vulnerable because of the, um, the historic um, economic implications that have happened. And so a lot of these towns are built around mill cities. And so as soon as um, big cities or any production went overseas for cheaper, better, faster production, um, these towns just kind of got left. And a lot of times they haven't ever recovered from being the sawmill down the street. And so you've got a lot of people and a lot of stories that are held in those towns that build the mentality of the good old days. And so um, revitalization looks like bringing the mill back when that's not going to be a reality for that town ever. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think they're vulnerable because um, the population itself is looking backwards to say we once were something. The infrastructure speaks to them once being something. Um, but they got left because industry went to big cities. Mm -hmm. um, millennials like to go to big cities. And so you've got a talent drain. You've got a population um, that's leaving. And then you have an older, um, maybe less technical population that's still there with old infrastructure. Um, and so what we do to um, interact with that situation is to come in and bring back the stories to life and, and change the perspective of this is this once was beautiful and this is still beautiful and this is how we um, showcase the specific assets. So those assets that make them vulnerable also can make them beautiful and thriving economically. Um, but it just takes a different lens. The mill's not going to come back, but you can showcase that story in a different way. Right, right. And how can you use that space in a new way that's now helpful for that community? Mm -hmm. And now attracts the millennial and the mm -hmm. technical uh, label, labor force. So Chelsea, you talked a little bit about how a lot of the communities that Motley works with um, aren't super diverse and um, maybe that isn't really a priority for them um, but I know that that is a priority for Motley so how do you work that in when you're working with communities that maybe don't care about diversity or don't even want it? Sure so when we have the opportunity to hire subcontractors depending on the project we always look to represent the underrepresented community um, and so, for example, in one of the communities where it was majority white-led, the population was just over half white. Um, we brought a African-American female artist to really connect with the underrepresented voice and leadership um, and elevate some of those unrepresented communities. Um, and so that's one way we do look to provide resources that aren't necessarily um, there for other communities. Um, like if, if they don't have the resources, if they're not majority white, um, put in a little bit extra effort 
to find potential funding that we would be able to work with them because we do want to elevate those um, communities, but we are a business and not a nonprofit. And so there's an interesting, it's a, a value priority, but how do you run a business and have a value priority and still make everything work? Yeah, that's interesting. It's cool the way that you work that in kind of around the system a little bit. So this might seem pretty broad, but I know, Chelsea, that you have a really deep passion for this work and that really plays into why you wanted to start Motley. Um, So can you kind of just describe a little bit your heart for this work and why you wanted to um, start a business to be doing it all the time? Sure. So I grew up in a town similar to the towns that we work in. It's 15,000, central North Carolina, like used to have... uh, furniture and mattress um, mills and warehouses all over the town Um, and both sides of my family for generations have grown up there Um, and to see it be developed and come back and have new life has been really interesting to to see and see people claim it. Um, I also worked in refugee resettlement right out of my undergrad and seeing whole populations of people come from different countries and if they connect to the place that they live how that impacted their life um, for the positive and if they couldn't find a connecting community and fulfilling work then then what that did um, to their um, life and their family's life and and just how it impacted um, their economics and their emotional well-being. Um, and so I, I think it, it's greater. It becomes a, a spiritual and a human issue. Um, and it's a way that I can see how to directly care for humans is creating spaces that they feel um, welcome and supported and um, that they have the resources that they need, whether that be emotional and economic and um just the the connectivity of what community means to people um and i think economics is at the root of a lot of that um because if you're not taken care of on those levels then you can't really thrive in others so that's that's one of the the ten thousand yeah foot view of everything yeah well your passion for the work is super evident so that's cool i think it really helps bring people along with the mission um just getting to hear your heart behind it That was Blaine Williamson and Chelsea Dickey talking about Motley. Thanks for joining us for episode two of Small Town, North Carolina. Check back soon for episode three. This is episode three of Small Town, North Carolina, focusing on Motley. This is Mariel Condis. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about social issues and policy analysis within the agency of Motley. We've talked about the population that Motley serves in past episodes a little bit, but to go into some more detail, Motley's client populations are towns and municipalities in North Carolina. Typically, these communities are smaller, underdeveloped, lacking in capacity, and have a population with low socioeconomic status, while sometimes they are more developed communities. 
While Motley's mission is to work with towns to serve community members, the community is not their direct client. The town government is. Motley assists its clients, town governments, in helping better serve the community. This is where their direct work is done, with county clerks, town managers, and other town government. Gibsonville demographics reflect a lot of the small towns that Motley works with. Gibsonville has a total population of 7,257 people. The median income for households in Gibsonville is $53,549, while the mean household income is $67,846. The race breakdown in Gibsonville is 80.53% white, majority white, 11.69% black, and 1.01% Hispanic. 89.1% of Gibsonville's population has a high school degree or higher, and 26.4% have a bachelor's degree or higher. The unemployment rate in Gibsonville, North Carolina is 4.7%, which is the same as the national average, and the poverty level is 13.9%. This kind of information is something that Motley uses every single day when they're working with clients and town government for business recruitment as well as to better understand the community before it begins its work. It's important to know what kind of community Motley is working with to understand their priorities and needs. For example, if a community's median income is roughly 14,000, they probably have bigger structural issues going on, such as pipes that need to be replaced, sewage system upkeep, etc. These needs have to be addressed quickly before Motley can do placemaking things like murals and community events. While this work is important, it might not be the most necessary thing for struggling communities to do. Gibsonville, North Carolina, a town that I mentioned earlier on episode one of the podcast, is Motley's first client and continues to be one of Motley's largest continual clients. This demographic information informs the introduction conversation with a client community, so Motley can serve them in the best way possible. Motley generally works with small rural towns, which consist of white, poor, older communities who are often not very forward-thinking. Gibsonville is an example of this type of community. It has a small-town character perspective and a conservative approach to most things. Earlier this semester, I sat in on a Haw River Town Council meeting, and a similar character was evident and obvious in this community as well. The board was comprised of three older white men and one middle-aged white woman who seemed to have very narrow ideas of what their community needed and certainly didn't understand how social media and placemaking initiatives could improve the local economy. This is a barrier that Motley often faces in the communities they work with, but is passionate about overcoming. The generational gap is one that's sometimes hard to bridge, but when it is, causes for some really great working relationships, like the one Motley has with Gibsonville's town manager. While state and federal policy certainly affects Motley to some extent, local policy on the town or municipal level is what mainly relates to Motley's daily work. However, the population of the communities Motley works with is often largely largely affected by policies surrounding living standards, livable wage, gentrification, and housing policies.
These towns and small businesses within are affected by policies surrounding historic restoration and rezoning, as well as various ordinances that busy owners typically run into when trying to open and operate. What I'm really going to focus on today is gentrification, which is a huge issue facing developing communities today, and one that Molly has to be very aware of and careful not to contribute to. When communities quickly develop to attract young professionals and the population grows, the cost of housing can grow quickly as well, forcing locals out of their homes because they can no longer pay for their housing due to the growth of the city. The history of gentrification can be tracked back to its major increase in the 1990s. Between the 1990s and early 2000s, there was a large surge in young, college-educated, single people moving to urban areas in the U.S., During the 1990s, many investments were made to redevelop the downtowns that these young individuals were moving into. In order to provide them with more amenities and entertainment, making these downtowns more attractive and spurring on further growth. In 1992, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development enacted a redevelopment initiative called Housing Opportunities for People Everywhere. The goal of this was to revitalize public housing projects and de- concentrate poverty in these towns that were having such a surge of growth. In order to do so, over 90,000 public housing units in poor condition were destroyed throughout the country to be replaced with higher quality mixed income housing units. This was largely successful but also had negative effects on many low-income families who were living in the previous housing and were not able to stay in new housing as there were fewer units available leading to displacement and gentrification. Rent has continued to increase in gentrified cities throughout the 2000s and 2010s, making it increasingly difficult for locals to afford rent in their growing towns. Affordable housing policies fight against gentrification to provide a means for families to remain in their town after this growth occurs. The Department of Housing and Urban Development aims to preserve existing affordable housing and to create new housing that is affordable and accessible. The North Carolina Housing Coalition explains the importance of affordable housing today, stating that housing is the first rung on the ladder of opportunity, but it is out of reach for too many families. More than 1.2 million North Carolinians in rural and urban communities alike cannot find affordable housing. Of these households, more than 500,000 paid more than half of their income on housing alone. Safe, decent, and affordable housing allows families to rebuild wealth in ways that benefit entire communities. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, through the Office of Affordable Housing Programs, administers grant programs designed to increase the availability of housing to low-income households. Gentrification is super important and really affects the communities Motley works with, as they are small rural towns that need development to bring in economic growth, but can easily fall victim to gentrification that pushes out those who have been living there far longer. This is why Motley pays such close attention to the difference between healthy economic development and community development and gentrification, and is careful not to gentrify the towns that they move into and are working with. The issues and policy we touched on in today's episode are just a few of the things 
Motley faces every day as they do the work that they do in these communities. It is important to stay so aware of all of the policy and decisions on the state and local level that are affecting the communities Motley is working in so they know how to work with or around the system to help these communities in the best way possible. Thanks for tuning in to episode three of Small Town, North Carolina. Join us for our final episode of my personal reflection of working with Motley. Welcome to the final episode of Small Town, North Carolina. I'm your host, Marielle Condis, and in this episode, I'm going to be discussing my personal reflections on what it was like to be an intern for Motley throughout this past semester. Thanks for joining me. Over the past three months, I've had the pleasure of being Motley's fall intern. As Motley just has two full-time staff members, Blaine and Chelsea, the co-founders of Motley, I've gotten to see a lot of all of the inner workings and to be a part of many different aspects of Motley. My main role in Motley was as a creative intern, which meant I largely worked with Blaine on things like social media and design. We spent a lot of time this semester traveling to small towns around North Carolina, such as Gibsonville, Mebane, Burlington, and Graham. We photographed a lot of the local activities and showcased events through visiting them. We took pictures, which we edited, added events to, and post on social media for promotional content. I also ran social media accounts, including Instagram and Facebook, for specific organizations within towns. One of my specific clients was Gibsonville Merchants Association, which is a collection of local business owners in the Gibsonville area. I ran a social media account to promote local events that they were having, as well as just to promote the companies themselves. These were some of my main jobs within Motley, doing more of the creative content side of things. Additionally, I worked with Chelsea on some of the financial side of Motley, and I got to see what it looks like to have meetings with town government, to visit town hall, and to present our ideas to small towns and to explain to them how our funding works. It was very interesting to see these two very different sides of Motley and how they so closely coincide. While Motley may not be an agency that is typically considered human services, the work I've done and the communities we serve prove otherwise. Motley uplifts underserved, under-resourced, and underrepresented communities. It strives to create diverse and inclusive communities and tap into the untapped potential, bringing out the strengths and assets that already exist. Motley works with marginalized and low socioeconomic status populations and operates out of a strength-based approach. It is guided by policy and the desire to partner with communities, not force its own opinions on them. In these ways, Motley's values are very well aligned with human service studies principles, and it has been so valuable for me to see them in action in a different context than direct client communication. Motley works consistently and diligently to address the social needs of the communities that they work in. Their aim is not to bring in what they think a community needs, but to find out what the community wants and to help them find ways to achieve those things. 
They also point out things that communities may not have noticed, potential that might not be tapped into, assets that could be used in different ways to uplift the community further. They're incredibly focused on not gentrifying communities and on keeping the town the way that the locals love it, but bringing in diversity and inclusion as well. Sometimes this is a difficult line to cross. Who do they focus on more? Marginalized minority business owners who could definitely open new locations in these small towns or the community members that aren't big fans of diversity. This is where Motley sometimes has to promote the needs that they see fit, like inclusion, but also has to be aware that some businesses might not survive in communities that aren't ready for that type of change. It's very interesting to hear the conversations that Blaine and Chelsea have and to see how they deem what communities need and how to address those needs. It has become so evident to me this semester the privilege I had growing up living in a community with such large social networks. A lot of the things that we're trying to bring into communities I realized that I had growing up, which allowed for better connections to get job, a thriving economy that allowed my parents to always have good work growing up, and just an overall healthier community. A lot of these small towns and the people living in them don't have this kind of privilege. It is important for me to be aware of how those privileges affected me growing up, but also to know how I can empower other communities and to help bring in some of these things that they are lacking. The core principles of human services professionals are respecting the dignity and welfare of all people, promoting self-determination, honoring cultural diversity, advocating for social justice, and acting with integrity, honesty, genuineness, and objectivity. These are all true of the way Motley functions with the communities they are in. I've so loved working with Motley this semester. Throughout my education as a human service studies major, I have had a lot of experience working directly with clients, such as after school programs and in schools doing play therapy. I never felt like I connected strongly with these jobs and I always wanted to learn more about the meso level of human services. Motley was a great look into this. I loved working on the community level and being able to affect communities from a slightly higher viewpoint than the individual. While all levels of the systems theory are equally important, I have found that my place is on the meso level, and I wouldn't have figured that out had it not been for my semester working with Molly. Thanks for joining me on Small Town, North Carolina, as we took a deeper look at Motley, the community development and placemaking firm. I so have enjoyed my time working with Motley this semester, and I'm excited for you to hear more about it as you listen to these episodes. This is Marielle Condis. Thanks for joining.